KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the rundown for Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith, joined today by Sabrina Boyd Circa, and it's Thanksgiving week. And we're all looking forward to some time off, seeing family. This is a getaway day for a lot of us. And Sabrina, what are you excited about as we head into Thanksgiving? Oh, well, of course, seeing my family, I drive all the way up to Massachusetts and just spend a really long weekend. It's such a good break. But then, of course, who doesn't love Thanksgiving food? I mean, it's possibly the best feast of the year. We have a good routine down as far as cooking, and we know what we're doing, but uh, we're going to hear from Michelle Durham today about sometimes what happens when people don't really know what they're doing when they're cooking and how to be a little bit safer about all of that. You have to be smart when you're cooking, when you're putting your Thanksgiving dinners together, and the leftovers as well. You might want to be careful when taking care of those leftovers too. But we also have to remember that there are people who unfortunately don't have food and aren't Mm -hmm. quite as fortunate as a lot of us are. Mike Doherty will join us to talk about how local food banks are also preparing for this holiday as well. Yeah, we want to make sure that everybody gets a good meal. And that's what the food banks are looking at, knowing that in this pandemic year, it might be harder than usual for some families. So we're all doing our best to help out. Plus, as well, we also want to talk about our pets. Because sometimes mm-hmm. our pet want to get, they want to get on the action. I grew up with two dogs, and usually around Thanksgiving, it would be nothing to see two very adorable faces trying to stare at you and just guilt you into eating. Sitting getting some under of the what, table, just with those puppy dog eyes, uh, begging for scraps. You haven't lived until a cocker spaniel has stared at you with that, with the face <laughs> and the ears and the whole just and the droopy eyes and everything else, and you don't you don't notice his little butts wiggling under the table because he's actually oh. happy and trying to trick you into getting food. And yes, I might have slid him some food. Look, he was a good dog. What could I say? He was a good boy. Well, you have to be careful on what you give your pets during Thanksgiving and Christmas as well. So we'll be talking about that along with everything else on this special Thanksgiving edition of the Rundown. <laughs> So Thanksgiving could be an opportunity to get a little bit um, adventurous, I would say, with cooking. But that usually does not end well if you don't take the right safety precautions. Now, you may not know this, but Michelle Durham, my tag team partner on Philadelphia's Afternoon News, she also has an honorary degree from the Philadelphia Fire Academy. So she's here to join us today to help make sure that you don't set fire to your home in the next couple of days trying to cook a turkey on Thanksgiving. Michelle, thank you for coming down to join us this afternoon. Well, thank you so much. And Jay, to your point, you don't know how many people have actually done that. It's been a lot of tragedy on Thanksgiving days, unfortunately. Now, before we go into this, I mean, those of us who are in the newsroom know know about this. It's interesting whenever there's a as much as a fire engine goes past this place, you can almost tell exactly where it's going. It's just <laughs> that's how that that's the experience you have. Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit of insight into your whole experience as a firefighter. Thank you so much. Well, in 2006, I had just started here at KYW, and we lost a lot of people to fire in the city that year. And as a reporter, I would only cover it the same way that everybody else is covering it. Unfortunately, you go stand outside the shell of the building. You hear the family crying. You give the fire commissioner like a six-second soundbite. He's begging people to register for smoke alarms, get smoke alarms. So how much of that message are 
we responsible for conveying? So I asked to see the fire commissioner. Well, I thought it was going to be just a meeting between him and I, and it wasn't. It was all the deputy chiefs and cars one, two, and three. And I'm standing there and I said, I want to put my listeners in a fire. I want them to understand that they can't just always get up and walk out and I want them to plan. And they're like, oh, the liability to the city. This has never been done before. What if something happens to you? In my family, Jay, we never throw anything away. I had a 1963 calendar depicting a 1955 five-alarm fire, and front and center fighting the fire was my grandfather, Joseph McAndrews. Ladder one, which is now Jack's Firehouse uh, in Fairmount, and that was his firehouse. And I said, this is who I am. This is why you have to let me do this story. (laughs) So they said, okay, go to the fire academy for two weeks. Make sure you don't freak out. And put anybody else at risk, which I thought was reasonable. I stayed for four and a half months, and I graduated with my class, much to the surprise of everyone. Um, So I got assigned to Engine 50 in North Philly, and it was my pride to be the first female firefighter to ever be assigned to that engine. And I ran calls in the city just like everybody else, and I trained just like everybody else. And then I went into FEMA's Pennsylvania Task Force 1, where I trained for uh, pancake collapses, uh, natural disasters. It was a higher level of special operations training. So I take all of that with me now as an anchor and a reporter. It's But being at the fire academy changed my life. So you were really out going on these runs. This is not just one of those for the story. No. And one day during training, my clip on Mike, which was inside my bunker gear, got a little too close to the fire. So I it got all frayed and burned. So I left it on the boss's desk along with a post-it note saying, just in case you thought I was like sitting back eating bonbons all day, you know. (laughs) Um, No, I absolutely loved it. And what surprised everybody uh, that I worked with was that I just dove right in and I did what was expected. I answered the questions in class. It is fire science. um, And there is a lot of science that goes into fighting and uh, preventing fire. Now, we brought you, I'm I'm still stunned by this. I knew you, I knew you had a connection to the fire department. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize you were really like in this. Running calls, my North Philadelphia, my favorite community in the entire city to serve. I love, love, love that community. And your ability to not only know this from the experience of being out there really dealing with fires and knowing what causes them, we now come over to this viral video. It's really funny, but it's also startling to see because you see this turkey. It starts off just kind of goofy. This turkey is being lowered like the like the ball at the top of in Times Square on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and it's just getting lowered down into this vat. And as soon as this turkey hits the vat, the thing goes boom. Correct. And it's everywhere. Why is it so easy to start a fire while attempting to fry a turkey? Because the oil that is used in turkey fryers is extremely volatile. Nine times out of ten, it's like a peanut oil. The other thing is, if that turkey, Jay, is not dry, if it's not bone dry, if it's not fully thawed, if it's not fully dry and you drop it into that vat of hot oil, that is what creates that combustion that not only takes out your home, but people have been significantly burned. I mean, you see in the video, and I hope people log on to kwnewsradio.com, take a look at how fast and how furious that fire comes back on you where people have been burned and their homes have been burned down. And similar, like if you're cooking bacon and the grease is popping or snapping at you, except in a much larger space, because you're not putting the turkey into something small, 
that thing drops in there and it just it splashes all over the place. And anybody who's gotten even just nicked by a little bit of grease while cooking bacon knows that's uncomfortable. Correct. Does it have to do with like that? You said the turkey has to be dry. So is it like moisture? Because if you think about if you have a oil on a hot frying pan and you drop just a little bit of water into it, it spatters. Now imagine that times a whole turkey. Correct. Not only that, there's another issue I see where that you can see that that turkey fryer was overfilled with oil. If you exceed the the volume of what you're supposed to and you drop that turkey in, just as you said, it's going to splatter all over the place and it's going to come at you. Now, Thanksgiving is the busiest day of the year for fire departments across the country. We don't just take your word for it. Here's Philadelphia's fire chief, Tom Kane, who also talks about this, too. Thanksgiving's a day, you know, families get together. So there's a lot of cooking going on. They don't do these big meals all year round. And they're not either prepared or ready to do some of the things that are necessary. Now, some people, like my mom, for example, she doesn't fry a turkey and drop it into the big vat. She puts it in the oven the old school way. Mm -hmm. But what else can go wrong on Thanksgiving where I know it's not just turkey fires that are causing problems? Correct. I mean, so as you hear from Chief Kane and and our reporting, they run all day with, with things. It's one after the other where they have oven fires, where they have ovens overloaded. They haven't been cleaned all year. Or you have the folks that ordered takeout all year or made a microwave dinner all year, and then they decide that they're going to make a seven-course meal and they're not experienced. Um, number one thing that can cause an oven or a stovetop fire is lack of cleanliness. You know, that grease buildup. We talked about the bacon. Like, that grease buildup is so easy to ignite. We see a lot of burns, too, on Thanksgiving with people wearing loose clothing. You really shouldn't. You have to be careful what you wear. I think of like the grease traps when I've seen TV shows that, that look at restaurants and aren't really well maintained. Their grease traps have grease all up and up high. And they say you're, that's a fire waiting to happen if the fire gets too high up into the grease. That's one way that it can happen. How can people prevent these fires from happening? The number one thing that they can do in these days before Thanksgiving is literally clean your oven, clean your stovetop, clean your countertops couple of things that we want to dispel. The myth of, oh, well, if I throw flour on a burning fire on top of my stovetop, that's going to cure everything. No, it's not. It's actually going to be an accelerant and it's going to spread. You don't want to throw anything at your fire. Smother and cover. Keep that lid to that pot close by and just drag it over and slide it on and then turn off heat. It will extinguish itself if it hasn't already gone to the cabinetry. Um, I recommend this all the time. Kid has fire extinguishers. They're 20 bucks. I have one. I made sure my daughter has one in her apart- college apartment. Um, I just think it's important to do. Um, baking soda is what is used in fire extinguishers, but people often mistake that with flour. So I just want to make sure nobody throws hmm. flour at anything. Now, from your experience and other firefighters you're close with, what's it like inside a firehouse on Thanksgiving? You know, I grew up with a cop in my house, and police departments, it's a little bit different on holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's arguably the most family-oriented holiday of the year, and firefighters are giving up their time with their loved ones just to make sure that people don't have incidents like this. What's it like for them on a Thanksgiving day? Firefighters relieve each other early on these holidays because they want to make sure that they can spring the folks that have small children home. Um, but you know and I know that for police and fire, food is very important during the shift. It's one of the most important decisions. And they take a lot of pride in cranking out these incredible Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. I've been to firehouses on Christmas and 
they are a family and they have each other and they can't be with their family at home, but they are together and they try to feast as much as possible. They try to make things in advance because they know they're going to be running a lot. What is the worst cooking disaster that you've had at Thanksgiving? (laughs) As long as it doesn't involve a house getting burned down or or something exploding in the backyard. It's funny because we call it in the fire department a pot of meat. So a pot of meat is when somebody goes out and parties like it's 1999, and instead of coming home and making a turkey sandwich, they decide to boil a hot dog and then fall asleep. And the whole house is, like, packed down with smoke by the time you crack open the door. When you crack open the door, the smell, you know instantly it's a pot of meat. So we all shout down the line, pot of meat. That Nobody wants that. That's a disgrace in the fire service, so nobody wants to be that house. Um, I've come home to a light smoke condition because my Christian and Caitlin were going to bake cookies, and they forgot to take the items out of the oven. By the time I reached them, they were red. The house was packed down. I'm like, I have a light smoke condition. They're both sitting at the kitchen table. Like, they had no idea. So I was able to take care of it, but I sat them both down and I said, "Um, excuse me, we're a fire family, and if the engine comes around the corner and I have to explain it's a pot of meat, this is going to be embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's so interesting always learning more about the people that we're in these newsrooms with where I've... I mean, it's just like if you see Michelle in here, there's always something fire related. I, I recognize the firefighter symbol on the back of the shirts, on everything. So it's like yeah. always knew you you were close ties to the fire department. I didn't realize you were you were in there. You're a wealth of information when it comes to this sort of thing. And we have some laughs and some fun at this. But this is serious business, and people do have to be careful out there, especially over the next few days. They really do. And and the number one thing is we all have to watch out for each other, and we do that here at KYW. But even for people listening at home, look out for your neighbors. You know, watch out for one another, especially now in this time. You know, safety is a group effort, you know. And if you're a city resident, please call 311. You can get free smoke alarms installed by the fire department, one on every level, please, and one in every bedroom if possible. Carbon monoxide detectors. Please have one where you sleep. Where you sleep. Upstairs, have one at least. If you're only going to have one in your home, choose where you sleep. We'll have so many more of those fire prevention and safety tips as well on our website, kywnewsradio.com. Be sure to check that out before you start cooking and want to go lowering a turkey into a vat of grease. Michelle, thank you so much. You've got work to do because we got to get ready for Philadelphia's afternoon news as always, which you can find her starting at 2 o'clock here on KYW News Radio, 2 o'clock and 4 p.m. for Philadelphia's afternoon news here. KYW 103.9 FM, 1060 AM. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you. For coming in once again and joining us. Sure. Always a pleasure. Now, giving is an important part of, well, Thanksgiving. It's a majority of the word. And more people than usual, unfortunately, could be relying on food banks this year, especially dealing with this world that we've been living in in terms of the pandemic. So how are local food banks trying to meet that higher demand, and will they even be able to do so? Well, KWW's Mike Doherty spoke with some food banks in both the city of Philadelphia as well as in South Jersey, and he joins us right now to talk about it. Mike, good to have you on. Hey, Jay. So, Mike, what are some of these challenges that food banks are facing this year? The food banks are facing a lot of the same challenges that a lot of us are seeing. There's supply chain bottlenecks. There's labor shortages. Uh, Some items are hard to find in the grocery store for us, so it's going to be difficult for the food banks as well. You mentioned that they're expecting uh, more people to be relying on them this year. You know, that's the reality for them. They're expecting more people than usual because of all different reasons, you know, 
anything from labor shortages and people having a hard time making ends meet to, you know, just having available items in in the food bank. So donations haven't been quite as great as they've been in recent years, though it's looking pretty good for Thanksgiving. I spoke with uh, Fred Waziak, the president of the Food Bank of South Jersey. He says they have been really planning for this. We started purchasing turkeys back in June, uh, putting our orders in. We've doubling our size. Uh, we're able to hold more perishables, fruits, vegetables, eggs, uh, and so forth, uh, which will allow us to serve our community better and more efficiently. Phil Abundance also said they, they are looking like they are in pretty good shape as far as you know providing Thanksgiving meals go. But after that, they might see a, you know a downturn. So they're really looking to have people make donations, both food wise and and money, so that they can get back to doing the job after Thanksgiving. Now, you did mention there that you spoke with Fred Wasiak. Here's some more of what he had to say to you. We're not at the height we were uh, in the middle of the pandemic, but still our food insecurity is at high levels. Uh, we had to estimate one in seven people in South Jersey are facing daily hunger and one in five children are facing uh, food insecurity. And you mentioned that the food prices are going up, gas prices are going up. People are coming off the pandemic assistance programs that were put into place to help deal with the economic effects of COVID. And uh, so we anticipate that, uh, you know, people are going to still have to make choices. Do I pay for electricity? Do I pay for rent, mortgage, or food? We know that there's an increased need, especially as you just heard Fred describe there. Just how bad is it? And how many more people have these food banks seen come through over the last year? You know, I don't have specific numbers and data on how many people they've served this year versus last year. But one of the, you know, I guess the defining principles is just that they don't know. It's really hard to tell who is going to come in because they've dealt with families in the past. You know, they have, I guess, what you would call regulars, but they're also seeing a lot more first timers, a lot more first time visitors at the food bank. So that kind of stuff is really hard to anticipate. You don't know when somebody, is going to run into a rough patch and when they're going to reach out. So they have to be there. They have to be ready for those families that do reach out for the first time. You've spoken with people in South Jersey. You also got a chance to talk to some people over at Phil Abundance here in the city of Philadelphia. What's happening over there? It's a very similar story, Jay. That They also emphasize the importance of planning ahead this year. You know, they started in the summer getting ready trying to stockpile everything they need for Thanksgiving. This is such an important holiday for people to, you know, have their feast and, you know, feel good about what they're putting on the table for Thanksgiving, even if every other day of the year hasn't been so great. So they have been stockpiling, they have been getting ready, and they have said they are ready for this, that they don't anticipate, you know, running out of anything, that they don't anticipate having to turn people away. So that is the good news, though they do anticipate that things might get a little bit tough after Thanksgiving and approaching Christmas. So again, you know, anybody that can help, they want to have donations coming in to sustain the next month as well. So overall, how can people help out as we approach Thanksgiving? And as you mentioned there, got Christmas, you got Hanukkah coming up. What can people do to help out at these food banks? What they've told me is the best way is to give them money because they're able to go and purchase the fresh vegetables and the in the meats and the dairy products from local farmers and, you know, sort of help sustain farms and put food on the table for people, fresh, good food. You know, 
canned and frozen items, these are the things are okay too. And if you wanted to make a donation, make a donation. But uh, the best way is to give them money so that they can purchase fresh items and not, you know, give everybody canned beans, but give them actual green beans from a farm. So, Mike, how can people check out what else you're keeping an eye on here? Well, we're always on 103.9 FM, KYWnewsradio.com. And I'm Jay, I'm back on Twitter. They, they pulled me back in. So <laughs> you, you can find me at Mike Darty on Twitter. Mike is spelled with an M-I-C. Well, Mike, it's good to have you here on the rundown as we always do. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Anytime, Jay. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about some safety tips for your pets to help make sure that nothing bad happens to them throughout the holidays. I'm Jay Scott Smith with Sabrina Boyd Circa, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and it is Thanksgiving week, and we're helping you get prepared. It's a time for family and friends, but we want to make sure that we don't forget about our little four-legged friends as well. And all those holiday foods, those can be pretty hazardous to animals. And we got a couple people here from the KYW team who have talked about this. First, our digital editor, Rachel Curlin. Rachel, good to have you. Good to be here. And we also welcome in a familiar voice, the voice of John McDevitt, who covers all sorts of wonderful animal stories around the city of Philadelphia. John, as always, it's great to have you on with us. Hi, Jay. Thank you. So, Rachel, I think I already know the answer to this question as one of them is staring at you here in the Zoom feed. Mm. How many pets do you have? So I have the one. I have a dog named Cam. Um, I got him at the beginning of the pandemic, so he's a pandemic pup, one of those. Um, And, yeah, he's staring at me eating lunch, and he will not (laughs) leave my side. And, John, how about you? I do not. I've I've grown up and had uh, all sorts of animals you know, from furry kinds to scaly and slithery kinds. Um, but yeah, no, uh, petless at the moment, but, uh, you know, I, that, that could change. I grew up with two dogs, a Cocker Spaniel named Comet and a Lhasa Apso named Bandit. My dad named him after the dog on Johnny Quest. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, th- those two little guys were always known, especially this time of year, for begging for food. And it can be hard to resist tossing scraps of food, especially to your dog, But Rachel, what are some of the foods that we need to make sure that our pets don't get into? Yeah, so I looked into this a little bit. Um, Obvious things, you know, keep the trash can lid closed. You don't want them getting in the trash and garbage. But things that you would even think that they can have, they actually can't. Like turkey skin, Thanksgiving is coming up. So turkey skin is actually really high in fat, Hmm. I found. And it's hard for them to digest it. And that can obviously cause problems. You know, when we think about foods that dogs can't eat, obviously you think about chocolate or grapes. Um, those are pretty well-known no-no foods. Um, but other things like, you know, onions or garlic or some tomatoes are usually pretty bad. Um, and those are things that you cook with, right? So it's not the the main ingredient in the meal, but it's still kind of mixed in there. So you got to be careful with all the, you know, we have stuffing, we have whatever else on the Thanksgiving table. So you got to be aware of that. And John, you spoke with some people at Heart and Paw out in King of Prussia. Now, Dr. Amber Lee specifically mentioned how dangerous bones can be, particularly bigger ones. People often (laughs) think that if you give a bone that's large enough that they won't be able to swallow it. But sometimes dogs can crack the bones and with their teeth. And that even brings up another issue with um, damage to their teeth if Mm. the bone is hard enough. Now, I remember when I had my dogs... We would give him like these specially made bones, but it would always be good. You'd be good for seeing like pieces of them scattered all over the house. 
What else did they tell you about the dangers of bones? Yeah, well, uh, Dr. Lee says that bones can definitely, you know, cause a choking hazard uh, if the dog does manage to swallow it. Uh, uh, sometimes the bone is, is sharp enough that it could actually poke a hole in, uh, in the GI tract. If it does go past all of the vital organs, uh, Dr. Lee says, it, 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 it can uh, at least just cause some diarrhea or vomiting uh, because it's uh, causing some inflammation going down. Uh, I thought the, the bone thing was really interesting. Basically, uh, both Dr. Lee and uh, her uh, partner there, uh, uh, Dr. Uello, says that uh, it's a rule of thumb. You shouldn't give any real bones to, to, to dogs. General rule of thumb is you don't want to give a dog anything harder than, say, like a, a hard rubber, like a Kong, to chew on. Anything harder than that could break their bone, uh, their teeth. Even those hard plastic ones could break teeth, and they say that they've seen many dogs come in there and with broken teeth uh, and, and need to uh, be removed, extracted. Um, rawhide, I also, uh, they said that that could cause problems if it swallowed whole uh, obstructions. Uh, but this, this removal of teeth thing, um, you know, even, even in the pet store, or, or, or you see these big femur bones like wrapped in cellophane and, and they too uh, say stay away from them because they're, they're just too hard. And, and now, Rachel, you also wrote about social anxiety in pets. How can that play out and how can we help our dogs and cats get through social anxiety? Yeah, I found that pretty interesting and obviously pretty timely. I mean, I'm a huge dog person. I love hanging out with them, love hanging out with my dog, but they don't always want to spend time with me. So I guess that's fair. Um, you know, especially in these COVID times, we've been isolated or we haven't gone to big family get-togethers or parties. So it can be a little overwhelming, I guess, um, if you plan on having people over for Thanksgiving this year, and that's the first time you've done that in a while. Um, I think Heart and Paw actually said to make a separate room for them, just put their bed, their toys, whatever, you know, calms them down. So if they are feeling anxious, they can go hide, you know, in a space, chill out, get away from the chaos. I'm sure my dog will be doing something very similar. (laughs) (laughs) As we get closer to Christmas, we also get into other concerns, such as plants like poinsettias. You have Christmas ornaments, wrapping paper. Rachel, what are some of the decorations that we should be keeping our pets away from? Well, really everything. You know, when you're wrapping a gift, you have a bunch of stuff on the table. You have wrapping paper, ribbons, bows, what have you, glue, I don't know. Um, so you want to be sure that those stay on the table, that your pet doesn't get them, especially if you have a cat who's probably looking down on you from above, I'm sure. <laughs> um, you know, anything ingestive like that can obviously be very bad. Um, but one thing I thought was surprising, um, from the ASPCA, they said, if your pet gets into glitter, like, you know, some wrapping paper or bags have glitter on them, um, it's actually okay. It's not toxic. It can just result in, I'll, I'll say, some like seasonal species. <laughs> uh, Something you know. very decorative that they will suddenly yeah, pass a few a, a few hours a decorative later. Decorative number two. Yeah. <laughs> a, de- a decorative dose. How about that? That <laughs> <laughs> works. <out. laughs> we we laugh at these sort of things, but there are also some plants that are hazardous too. Because, you know, I mean, dogs are especially known for eating grass and getting into certain things, and that doesn't exactly agree with them. What are some of the other, like, more Christmassy and seasonal plants that dogs and cats need to stay away from? 
Yeah, it's a lot of, I think you mentioned one, um, like mistletoe, holly, mums, even acorns, actually, they really shouldn't get into. Some of them have different levels of toxicity if ingested. So you just want to be careful, you know, if you're hanging something, keep it out of reach of your pet. You know, that's kind of impossible with cats, but do your best. Um, same with like, I, I'm Jewish, so I can't speak to this, but uh, if you have a Christmas tree, uh, a live one and whatever you put in the bottom <laughs> to keep it alive. Apparently that can be toxic. I cannot speak to this because again, no experience, but I've heard that's bad. <laughs> well, and also you bring up the fact that you're Jewish Hanukkah. And I know such things as candles can be an issue from a menorah or something of that nature. I know the dreidel, the small toys. Those are other things I'm guessing pets have to be wary of too. You know, I'm realizing now that uh, all fall long, I've had these fake fall leaves hanging out and the cats just go nuts for them. They're they're like they definitely have eaten them. They definitely have swallowed pieces of them because they're a long string. And so they want to play with it. And now that's probably um, that's probably not good. They're <laughs> fake. They're not any real hazard at, like poisonous plants, but eat ingesting plastic is probably not good for them. Yeah, probably not great. Plastic doesn't go over too well with too many things. And I'm and I'm certainly sure it causes problems for <laughs> for some of our animal friends as well. And John, what did the people over at Heart and Paw have to say about some Christmas hazards and, well, Hanukkah, to be fair, too, to keep pets away from, especially when it comes to, like, lights and shiny things? Right. So both Dr. Micah Uello and Dr. Amber Lee, they say be mindful of those string wires and shiny stuff. Uh, they could cause obstructions and things like that. And also, uh, we mentioned the trees. Um, the pine needles themselves can cause uh, a cat, for example, to have stomach issues. So uh, uh, be mindful of, of what they ingest. Uh, also, the docs say to be careful of uh, lights and the wires, particularly with puppies. Uh, they can get shocked or electrocuted. Scary, but but a real danger. And that's something I, I really didn't think about, uh, you know, until they brought it up. It is that that is a really good point where you don't think about these things as puppies will chew on just about anything. And the last thing you need is them running into like a wire for a light or something. And another one of the more important things, John, that you heard from Dr. Uello was that if you think your pet has eaten something that's bad, you should act right away. Yeah. The minute you see that your dog ate something or you suspect your dog ate something, you just call right away, you know, and even and even go to an emergency clinic if your vet's closed. What else did he have to say about how to react and how to prevent our pets from getting into things that they shouldn't? Right. So toxicity levels in a pet, like uh, if they ingest grapes or chocolate, for example, uh, they could vary, uh, you know, depending on the animal's size and weight. But the veterinarians are saying don't wait to see if there's a reaction. They, they say that uh, if you suspect, even suspect that they got into uh, something uh, hazardous, to contact the vet or go to an animal hospital right away. So don't wait around. Uh, don't don't just wait for a result. Go and, or call because they're the experts. I think the big takeaway here primarily, just as much as you would do it for your kids, you want to pay attention to your pets during the holiday season. And it's something that Dr. Uello also made a note of. Obviously, everyone's worried about the holiday and they're prepping for the holidays. So their mind's on other things, but their mind's not always on their pet. But we need to not forget them. Yeah, so supervision is key. Um, we're all very busy. You know, we're preparing for the holidays. We have guests, you know, children. We're not always 100% focused on our pets when, you know, because this is a 
not only a disruptive time for us, but for them too. Uh, so be careful of, of, of choking hazards like decorations. Uh, also the trash, you know, you have guests over, you have more trash. You might have a, a trash bag on the floor. Uh, remember, they can get into that even <laughs> even if it's closed. So, you know, you want to be careful that there's, you know, at this point, you're going to have paper, you're going to have uh, other foreign uh, materials, turkey bones, you know, and things like that, and, and possibly other toxic uh, things like garlic, onions, chocolate, all the things we mentioned, grapes, raisins, they can get into that. So basically be very mindful. It is a special occasion, and, you know, you just need to realize that, uh, you know, your, your furry friends are also uh, in the house, so uh, just be mindful of them. We want to make sure that they get through the holiday season just like we do. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, you guys have a great Thanksgiving as well. Rachel, where can people follow what else you're working on? Um, I'm all over kywnewsradio.com all the time, and you can follow me on Twitter at rjkurland, K-U-R-L-A-N-D. And you'll mainly see dog pictures. So <laughs> with, I'm, I'm on theme. Everybody's day is made better <laughs> with a couple of pictures of really adorable pups. And John, how about you? How can people check out what you're working on? I'm on Twitter at JM1060 and also uh, on the radio, KYW News Radio. John McDevitt, Rachel Curlin, thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of The Rundown, which is a production of KYW News Radio original podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. My name is Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook, and you can hear me every day on KYW News Radio starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's Afternoon News on 1060 AM, 103.9 FM, and the Odyssey app, which is also where you'll find the rundown. And you can follow the rundown, by the way, at the Rundown PHL. Again, the Rundown PHL. You can listen for free on the Odyssey app just about wherever you get your podcasts. We would like to thank you for listening to this special edition of the Rundown.